0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Nosebleed Seats. My name is Jordan Anderson, along with my co-host, my best friend, who's also a diehard Chiefs fan, who's also a writer for Arrowhead Live, Marcus Baker. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. We promise to give you guys everything we got and hope you all enjoy it. Uh, That being said, Marcus, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself, and we'll uh, get this thing rolling.
1: All righty. Everyone, like Jordan said, um, currently a writer over at Arrowhead Live. Um, we're bringing this first episode of the nosebleed seats to you today. Um, it's an exciting time for the both of us. I know that for sure. Um, we're looking forward to the possibilities here with this new show. And, uh, I'm just excited to get things rolling here in the first episode. Wouldn't you agree, Jordan?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've been waiting all week to record this. So, uh, definitely excited. We have a great agenda for you guys planned. Um, Yeah. So we'll go ahead and get on to that. Um, We have some special teams news coming to you guys. uh, Talking about McCall Hardman and his role in 2020, what it's going to be like. We're going to have Chiefs training camp. Are we going to see training camp? When's it going to start? And then we're going to talk about some free agents who could still be a fit for the Chiefs. Uh, You know, potentially have a little bit of cap room. We'll see who they sign, if they sign anybody at all. Uh, We want to let you guys know, though, this is not going to be our usual agenda. What are what our kind of role is here with Arrowhead Live and the podcast. Uh, you know, you guys have heard the other the other six, I believe there is, so far. But our job is really going to be to break down each week, each matchup, the Chiefs are going to have, uh, you know, kind of give you guys any up-to-date news before the matchup and uh, kind of just go from there. So this is kind of out of the box for us, but we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to give you guys everything we got. So that being said, uh, Marcus, let's talk about this McCall Hardman special teams role. Um, I know you had an article come out about it, what, today, I think. And, uh, you know, Dave Tobe said he's not sure about McCall Hardman. Doesn't want to lose him, but he thinks he's he's just scratched the surface as a returner. What do you think?
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on board with the idea because, honestly, he struggled in spurts, especially in the punt return game. Um, I really like what he brought to the kick return game but he really seemed to struggle in his decision-making and efficiency on the punt return aspect of things. So, of course, he has elite traits. He was really good at it in college at Georgia. But my big thing with Hardman is if you can put him full-time in the role of wide receiver number two or wide receiver number three, not have to risk injury on the kick return and special team side of things, and you have a guy that you think – is capable that you're confident in, which I do think the chiefs do have that guy. And I'll discuss that here in a second after I get your thought, a little bit more thoughts from you, but yeah, without a doubt, I think the risk injury with Hardman is not going to be worth it based on what he's going to bring to the offense as a receiver. So if they can get somebody else in the fold that can replicate his production on the kick side and hopefully even improve what he was able to do in the punt return game, I, uh, I definitely am on board with the idea of him having a decreased role, if not completely eliminating his role as a returner.
0: Yeah, so let's not forget that he was a pro bowler as a returner. Um, I don't want to skip over that fact last year. He definitely he made a few mistakes. Um, I know he's had some costly fumbles and things like that, but it was his return in the AFC divisional round against the Texans that really sparked the turnaround for us too. So I don't want to say that he's not a playmaker there. I don't want I don't want to put that in anybody's head, but I do think there's another guy out there that could do the same kind of things. Um, Marcus, you I think we're thinking of the same guy here. So um, I, I have Byron Pringle as a replacement.
1: Yes, I do too. Um, I really think with Pringle, he brings everything the team needs and maybe more. Like you said. Hardman was a pro bowler, but I think a lot of that had to do with the impact of his kick return ability. The only knock I have on him, and I mentioned this just a few moments ago, it's the decision making on his punt returns. He's an incredible returner, one of the best in the game from a pure talent perspective and ability. But there was a lot of times, especially this last season in 2019, being his only year of really sample size, since this is only going to be his second year in the league, Um, when your efficiency is that low in comparison to what we've seen in the past with Dave Tobe returners here in Kansas City, um, I think his average – and, I mean, I dove into the finer details in my Arrowhead Live article that posted today like you mentioned, but I, off the top of my head, I think his punt return average was like 9.3 yards. And that's underwhelming in comparison to what we've seen in the past, like a guy like Tyreek Hill, uh, DeAnthony Thomas. We've seen a lot better numbers on average from guys like that in the punt game. So, yes, he is a pro bowler, but in the same aspect, I think he's an elite kick returner, but I think his decision-making skills hurt him at times in the punt return game. But to touch on Byron Pringle, I mean, you know this. I'm a Kansas State fan. I went to Kansas State. I've seen Byron Pringle return multiple kick touchdowns in person. He, uh, he showed flashes of elite-level special teams ability last year as just a coverage guy. And that ability there as a returner as well. He just needs to be given an opportunity. And I think right now with the vacancy that Hardman should leave, I think he's capable of stepping in and replicating, if not improving, upon what Hardman did in 2019.
0: All right, so another guy I want to toss out here is Demarcus Robinson. I think he returned some punts at Florida as well when he was there. Um, but, you know, I, I do like the Pringle fit. I think that'd be the best fit. I'm just tossing some other names out there as possibilities, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him back there because if you think that McCall Hardman's is going to have more of an offensive role, then you know, you're going to have to put a guy like Pringle back there, or maybe this is a part where Robinson gets his kind of time to shine, you know, because I don't know why you bring him back unless you're not, or unless you're uh, not going to play him. So, and the there there's been some skepti- there's some uh skepticism about whether he's going to get some playing time or not or whether McCall Harden is going to be the true solid uh third option at receiver. Um, still you got to beat out Tyreek Hill, you got to beat out Sammy Watkins, you got to take Kelsey's targets away. I just I don't I don't know if the uh the 1200 yards is going to be a a real thing that's going to happen there, but um could you see a guy like maybe Robinson going back there? If it's not uh, Pringle Without a doubt. Um, Like you said, we've
1: seen Robinson return uh, on special teams, especially punts in the past. He's got the ability, but the way I look at it, I think maybe Pringle's a year away because he's really only had one year to get in and play because he was hurt his rookie season after starting really strong in camp. I think Pringle long-term may have a higher upside as a receiver than Robinson. I really do just because I've seen what he's capable of in person. And I've watched Robinson play, and I think Robinson's valuable, but he has a ceiling, and he only does what he does. You know what I mean? Like, he's really good at what he's good at, but he's not versatile like some. And I think Pringle has that versatility potential long term. But I think maybe he's a year away from being a contributor consistently in the offense. If it's me, I have Pringle as the primary on returns. Robinson is your second option, potentially, especially in kick returns if they do double sets where there's two returners. I mean, they don't do that very frequently, but in a situation, if the ball was squibbed or something and Robinson had to take it out as the second guy in the coverage from, you know what I mean, from the end zone, not the returner, but the guy in front of the returner, Robinson's capable. I'm fine with him being there. But I think Pringle has higher value in the special teams game because... He doesn't have as much value in the offense right now, I don't think. I don't think he's ready to step up and be that number three rotational guy. I think now being the fourth rotational guy he's ready for, I think he can come in kind of like we saw last year, provide solid snaps and relief of some of the starters like Sammy and DeMarcus. I think this year, with us being in a position to compete for a championship again, you put the guy that's got more experience in the offense and – as many times as you can over a guy like Pringle who's still kind of learning. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I would agree with you. A guy like Robinson is a potential option, and I wouldn't be shocked if that's not what they do because they know in the past that he's done it. I think Pringle's also returned a couple for us, whether that be in preseason or regular season. I, just, I think Robinson right now is too valuable in the blocking game, and his knowledge is too vast in the offense to take those opportunities away from him. And I think it gives Pringle his own little facet of the game to shine in, because I don't think he's ready to be a full time contributor as a receiver.
0: And you know, coaches when they get interviewed, they don't really—they give you hints about certain subjects, but they don't—they're not going to come out and say what's wrong, unless it's uh, unless it's an injury, of course. But I think that pretty much says that McCole Hardman's not going to play special teams. Um, I don't know any other way that he could sugarcoat it to make it seem like he's not. But I think that right there says that he's not going to be playing special teams. So I think it's ultimately going to be Pringle or Robinson. Um, And then again, you're going to have to look at training camp. If they're going to have that, we're going to get into that next here in just a second. But you're going to look at training camp. Who's getting the reps, uh, who's winning those reps and who's looking the best. You know, they're going to play in preseason as well. So we're going to see their abilities there, but uh, you know, and it could be a rookie as well. Could be Legarius Sneed, a guy that's fast. Uh, somebody like that, or Bo Pete. I don't know. Uh, you know, with their kind of speed, we do have a pretty fast draft class. So it could be one of them as well. I know they're going to have a lot of guys taking reps. So um, that being said, let's go ahead and talk about training camp. Are we going to have training camp? That's the major question that's on mean, everyone's that- mind right now. You know, they're worried about fans not going to be able to go into the stadiums for games and stuff like that. Talking about artificial sound and stuff like that. I am absolutely not on board with that at all. I mean, you know, you know me, and you know, I know you. We've went to training camp together uh, a few times. Me living only thirty minutes from Kansas City now, uh, it's definitely easy for me. Uh, so, I mean, just thirty minute drive, or well, I guess out to St. Joe, it's probably another forty five or so. But, anyways, I would love to go to training camp again. You know, and even if I'm not able to go, I want them to have it. I just want sports back. You know, I'm not a NASCAR fan. I can't do NASCAR. Um, I don't really care for soccer too much unless it's the World Cup. Um, Golf, I guess we have the Peyton Manning, Tiger Woods, uh, Phil Mickelson, and uh, Tom Brady thing coming up. But other than that, you know, I'm tired of watching NBA replays. I can only watch a Super Bowl so many times. I just – I want football, you know. I think there needs to be a training camp. But that being said, I want to get your opinion on it. Do you think there's going to be a training camp?
1: Yeah. And one more thing just to wrap up. I had a rebuttal to finish off the uh, special teams conversation we were having. I think the most telling sign that Hardman's on his way out from the return game is we saw a very similar progression with Tyreek Hill once he became a contributor in the offense. They The season before, they took him out of return responsibilities. Tobe had similar comments to where, like you said, he's not coming out directly saying he's done. He's just – kind of tiptoeing around the fact that he may not have him at his disposal anymore. So I would agree with you on that point to finish off the special teams conversation that uh, Hardman's definitely based on what we've seen in the past with Tyreek Hill, probably on his way out. But to touch on the training camp situation, without a doubt, like you know, training camp. I went to my first training camp in 2010, the year that we won the division, ultimately the time before Andy arrived. It's unlike anything else, in my opinion, in sports. The accessibility you have to the players and just the experience itself is once-in-a-lifetime situation if you're not a regular to attend that. And I've been a Chiefs fan, like you said. We both have since we were four or five years old. But that training camp really changed everything for me. In that training camp, I met Matt Castle, which, uh but, you know, (laughs) uh. I met Mike Vrabel at that camp. Dexter McCluster. Like there was a lot of people that it kind of opened my eyes to. Yeah, we're small town kids, and we grew up in a town with three thousand people, but we have access to this bigger world, and football is attainable, and sports can be something that we dive into and make it a part of our daily life. And I, I think the training camp experience has really inspired a lot of Chiefs fans. And fans in general having that accessibility to the players, it makes them seem more like real people. So it kind of gives you the vibe that hey, they're real people. So they're like me. I can attain something similar to what they're achieving. So I think training camp is very important as a fan, and it's something that I would advise all Chiefs fans. If you're in that Saint Joseph, Missouri area, Kansas City, Missouri area, get yourself to that training camp. It's free to enter. Um, You may have to wait in the line, but it's totally worth the length of the line, and the gas money to get up there. Um, like I said, it's, it's a life-changing experience, and I'm hoping that you and I get to experience it yet again this offseason because, unfortunately, we had a little schedule issue last year and we weren't able to make it. So I fully plan on going if they they have it, and we're also, I think, going to attend some attend some games for sure. But I'm looking forward to it, and I hope it's something that they can make a reality.
0: So. My take on it is that I think they're going to have it, but I definitely don't think there's going to be any fans attending. I think they're going to have it closed yeah. like they used to. Um, you know That's going to hurt St. Joe because they actually they get quite a bit of revenue from that with people buying at the gift shop and things like that. A lot of the proceeds from that go to Missouri Western and uh, to their football team there. I don't know if you've seen Missouri Western's football team out there, uh, our viewers and listeners out there, but they have a great – facility. You know the players always compliment the dorm rooms, the facilities, uh the athletic training room, things like that. It is a really great facility. It's easily manageable to get in the parking lot, get out of the parking lot. I mean, it's it's just a great facility, great place to be. But I definitely don't think they're going to let fans in. If they're already talking about you know not letting fans into the stadiums, they're definitely not going to let them into training camp. And that's my only Downer on it, um I'm not really sure where you go from there um as far as like where that's gonna lead to, but I definitely think there will be a training camp, whether it's gonna be on time july twenty seventh which great day by the way uh, I was born that day, uh but that's beside the fact. I really hope it starts. I miss football, I want football back. I think I speak for men everywhere all across the globe, and some women too, I guess. But I'm just ready for football to be back. That's all I can say.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, I agree. Um, whether there is or isn't fans, I mean, I, I know we'll both be disappointed if there isn't fans just because it's something we enjoy to be a part of and experience. But if not, I understand And if they have to keep the fans away to progress things and put these players in a position to where they're safe and and the fans are safe as well um i'm on board with not having fans like you said i just want football back and this will be the perfect stepping stone to ensuring that we're able to at least have games and like you said whether or not there's fans in those games as well is what it is i would take anything at this point i'll fully settle with crowd noise and no fan base if if that's what it means to have football back so i'm looking forward to it and um One thing I want to mention, too, you were talking about St. Joseph, Missouri, and uh, Missouri Western, their facilities. Um, It wasn't like that in 2010. The addition of the Chiefs to that campus every summer, I really think has boosted the university and what they're able to do from a facility standpoint. Because when I went in 2010, it was I mean, a completely different operation. It was not a fine-tuned machine like it is now. What was the last time we went? 2018? Yeah, 2018 was the last year that we were able to go. And leaps and bounds of growth. Very impressed with what the Chiefs, uh, Mark Donovan, the president, and the organization there has been able to orchestrate to bring in those things. Like I said, great uh, parking and car flow. Like you can get in and out of training camp with ease. It wasn't like that. We stood or we sat in line in our vehicle in 2010 for like an hour and a half. Everything's improved. So, and it's just part of this organization under Andy Reid. They're looking to get better in every way, every day, and I think that has a lot to do with the the Hunt family and what Clark has instituted throughout the organization. That steady improvement, that attention to detail, and making sure the fans are taken care of. What they've been able to do since they arrived in St. Joseph at Missouri Western to what they've been able to do now is just—it's incredible. And I, you have to commend the university there as well because they roll out the red carpet for the chiefs every summer and they've really developed that campus to where it accommodates what, what these players and these coaches, uh, what they need in their time at training camp. So it's a great experience, a great place and they've really turned it into something special there in St. Joseph.
0: For sure. Yeah. Like I said, I definitely hope we get to go. Uh, That being said, let's take these last 10 minutes here and talk about some free agents that are still out there. Uh, Surprisingly, they're still out there. Not a team that I've seen has bid on them. But let's start with uh, the biggest Chiefs need. I think that's offensive line still. I know we drafted a rookie. We don't know how he's going to perform yet. That's the only reason I'm saying that. Uh, Larry Warford, who was cut from the Saints, is still out there. Uh, They made some room to draft their replacement, uh, Cesar Ruiz. But I think he's going to play center ultimately. Um, but why is Larry Warford still out there, Marcus?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with finance. I think it has to do a lot with asking price. Uh, for the most part, I mean, I've dealt, uh, I've dove into this, i dove into this, excuse me, multiple times, and uh, really the only reason I could develop an understanding for why the Saints would have gotten rid of him was, like you mentioned, bringing in Ruiz to have some flexibility. And I think they want to get him on the field as quickly as possible to get their value out of their investment in that first-round pick. Um, I do project him long-term as a center, but I think he can play the guard position. And so you move a guy that allows you to save quite a bit of money in Warford and then in turn have his replacement automatically in Ruiz. And then once their centers out of – who is their center? Is it Alex Mack?
0: I have no idea. I don't really follow the Saints, so.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Maybe Alex Mack plays for the Falcons. Regardless, they have a quality center. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But um, I think Ruiz can slide into that guard position temporarily and then eventually become the center when that position's vacant. So I think that had a lot to do with Warford's release because he's an elite lineman, in my opinion. He hasn't been in the league but just a few years. Uh, his entire he was drafted originally by Detroit, and then once he got to New Orleans, he's been the lead ever since. Three time Pro Bowler in all three seasons with the Saints. It doesn't make sense to cut this guy unless you're just trying to find some cap relief since you have his replacement. So i I want the Chiefs to draft or to sorry to pick him up in free agency without a doubt. But the question is going to be the dollar amounts. Um, he's a guy. I seen a report that was like. I think it's at seven to nine million annually. I'm on board with that if we can figure it out. And we've discussed this. I look at the salary cap as a myth. Like these these people in these personnel departments, I mean, there's an entire department that their entire job is dedicated to salary cap management. So whatever needs to be done can be done to get the money if they see his value matching up with the cost. I do personally, just from what he's accomplished in this league. And our deficiencies, we have a lot of depth, though. So I wonder maybe if they would never make that move because it's so costly considering the amount of depth we have with guys that could play the guard position, like Rankin. I think Mike Rimmers can play guard. We already have Wiley and LDT. There is depth there, but Warford, without a doubt, would be an immediate improvement uh, over even the starters as we stand right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it'd be a fit, but I don't think we have the money for it. You know, they're talking about extending Mahomes this summer, starting on that. You still have Chris Jones to worry about. I would love the fit. I don't love the price. But that being said, um, I've got about eight minutes left here. Kind of going to go through these guys a little quick here. Um, I don't want to get into the cap too much because right now, although, yeah, the salary cap is a myth in my opinion as well, I'm not sure – We're going to be able to afford any of these guys. I would love to, and if we can make the money work, please do it. Brett Veach, please continue being your aggressive self and do it. But the next guy we have on our list is Logan Ryan, corner. Uh, Had a deal in place with the Jets, I believe, or maybe it was rumored out there. But apparently he's won 10 mil a year. I definitely don't see that happening. Would he take a cheaper deal? What do you think?
1: If I'm if I'm Logan Ryan, you're not gonna get ten million. You're not valued at ten million. No GM in this league would put ten million dollars next to Logan Ryan's name, except maybe David Gettleman, um, and he might have to now with the DeAndre Baker situation. But if if I'm Kansas City, I don't do it at ten million in any way at all. Like that's not an option. He's not worth that. That would be overpaying dramatically. I think for what his services will bring to the team. But if I'm Logan Ryan, I definitely sign with Kansas City. You've got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. Our team, our offense is basically a shoe in for twenty-eight points every game. Like that's been statistically proven in the Reed Mahomes era. We're going for 28 every game. So you just have to be competent defensively and you're gonna look good. He's not gonna to have to come in and step into a team and be the number two immediately. I think our one and two are going to be Ward and Breland barring the Breelands on the field. We don't know what's going to happen following his arrest. But I think Ryan would be a great depth guy. He's a veteran guy, and I think he could play the slot corner early on, and maybe we could see a little bit more development out of Rashad Fenton to where he could step in there later in the season. I would rather have Logan Ryan in our slot role than I would, or we can transition some other guys around. I think Breeland's best fit is outside, and I think Ward is. I don't know a ton about Logan Ryan, but I know he's been efficient. He was very good with the Patriots. I think he's been decent in his time with Tennessee. Like I said, that leadership's there, and he'd be a good rotational piece at a position of need for the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, and just to go back on your uh, statement there, he's not valued at $10 million. I mean, you, sure, you can value yourself at $10 million. I mean, look at Dak Prescott in his situation right now. He's wanting not only to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league, but he's winning north of forty-five million a year in his last year of his contract. There is no chance any team is going to give him that. He is not elite level yet, in my opinion. We'll save that for another day because I don't want to get into it. But Logan Ryan, if you want a Super Bowl ring, you want to try to get Super Bowl ring anyway. Come play in Kansas City, but you're not getting eleven million. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Or ten million. Sorry, you're, I don't even think you're going to get six, to be honest. So. If you want to chase a ring, by all means, come on board, but we're not going to pay you 10 mil. Um, but yeah. let's go ahead and move on to our last guy here. Um, recently cut, actually, is Nick Nelson, another corner. Uh, came from Oakland, well, now Las Vegas. Uh, former fourth round pick in 2018. Really hasn't reached his potential. I know he was uh, one of the guys that was expected to break out uh, being a fourth round pick, but. You know, in Oakland, and I don't want to bash on them too much, although they are our rival, they don't really seem to produce corners very well. Uh, they drafted, was it Garyon Conley from Ohio State a few years ago? Yeah. He did not pan out. Um, You know, they had Sean Smith, who left the Chiefs for the Raiders, didn't pan out. I don't know if it's a coaching staff or just the talent level or what they're doing, but what do you think about a guy like Nick Nelson? I think he'd be a lot cheaper than Logan Ryan for sure.
1: Yeah, and like you said, that's the real situation here. We know the regime regi- – wow, I can't speak today. I apologize. The regimes there in Oakland, or now Las Vegas, with the Raiders, has changed. But it seems like their corner development really hasn't improved. And uh, Nelson's a guy, former fourth-round pick. I think he's got all the talent in the world to be a com- uh, competent uh, role player at the corner position, especially in the slot. But um I don't know necessarily what the Chiefs think of him. I think he's got the potential that he's going to be worth taking a flyer on. And we know Brett Veach likes to take these guys with talent that just haven't reached their ceiling from a developmental standpoint. And yeah, he's definitely going to be cheaper than Logan Ryan. So it's more or less what the team values. If they're going to be interested in either of the two guys, do you want the veteran that's going to come in, cost more money, but bring that another level of leadership? Because really – the secondary has the leader they need in Tyron, Matthew, but there's not really an alpha dog, in my opinion, at the corner position. I think Traverius Ward's relatively quiet. Breland's not quiet, but I don't necessarily know if Breland's the best leader for these young guys. Um, That's where Logan Ryan's value is, in my opinion, is his leadership ability. But if it's me, I go Nick Nelson because the upside there is higher and the price tag's going to be quite a bit lower.
0: And he's a Veach guy. Uh, You know, Veach is known for taking a flyer on those guys. Um, I think you might have said that, actually, but why not? He's going to be cheap. You need depth there. I say go for it. Um, Like I said, you got to work the cap with any of these players you're going to sign. Even if he's a practice squad guy, you're going to have to make the cap work with what we have going on right now. But I do think it would be a great fit. I think he'd learn well under guys like Breland if he plays. And uh, Savarius Ward, who's kind of... He's kind of jumped up in the rankings as well, coming in as a no-name. So, um, that being said, that kind of wraps it, us, wraps it up uh, for us here on the Nosebleed Seats. Uh, we do have a few closing comments, though. Um, we definitely appreciate the Arrowhead Live staff for letting us do this, uh, giving us a platform to bring you guys Chiefs news, things like that. We did want to add in um, that Marcus and I do have our own podcast as well, uh, separate from Arrowhead Live called the forward progress podcast It is available on apple podcast spotify anchor uh podbean as well give that a listen we also have a twitter page it's at the fp pod if you guys would go and follow that um marcus you got anything you want to add
1: i mean yeah like you said um we do do things on our own over at the forward progress podcast so for more for four more from me and jordan Uh, Be sure to check that out. Um, Another thing I want to talk about, just real quick, right now I have two articles out for Arrowhead Live. One is the uh, top 10 Defensive Rookie of the Year candidates heading into this season. Um, I will tease that Willie Gay Jr., the Chiefs rookie, is among those 10, so check that out, as well as a deep dive, like we discussed earlier, into the Miko Hardman situation and what his declined role on special teams means for the Chiefs here in 2020.
0: All right, and that's all we have for you guys on this episode. Thank you guys for joining us, listening to us, following us. Be sure to listen to the other Arrowhead Live podcast as well. Those guys, those guys do a terrific job as well. Uh, from my co-host Marcus Baker, I'm Jordan Anderson. Checking out. We'll see you guys next time.